Yo, it's the Overdog, Patrick P. Daddy Abbott, and I'm challenging Rick Luxury for the PCW Championship in Orville, California at the Southside Community Center. And you're listening to Mitch Please. Mitch Lee since 2016. Flying with angels, dancing with devils, hiding between, attaining the devil. Trying to live my best life, going through it like a WWF fight. And the fans are screaming, they got my back like I'm really beaming. Let's go. Open me up, Scotty Kicking down doors like I know karate I got the fuego, like my hobby Getting high, is my hobby Next week, in 2016 Podcast so ill, let my catch a body Can't no one harm me It would take more than the army To stop Mitch Valentine From doing what he gotta do, he stays on his grind R.I.P. Joe Rogan Y'all better know that we coming We ain't ever running So turn up the sound and keep it 100 Keep it, keep it, keep it 100 Mitch Valentine, keep it 100 Keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it 100 Mitch Dean Podcast, keep it 100 That's chill Yeah, hashtag make dreams happen Pro Championship Entertainment at Heartbreaker MV at ECE since 2015. Yeah, follow your dreams, y'all. Mitch Lee in 2016. It is now 2019. And we are celebrating three years of this podcast. Welcome to episode 35 of Mitch Please. I am Mitch Valentine. And I just want to say thank you to everybody that's listening right now. And thank you to everybody that listened to episode 34 with Paul Priest. And of course, Bradley Rotten as well, breaking down WrestleMania with me, guys. I want to say thank you very, very much for listening to that show, sharing it commenting the whole deal but to now but to but to now not not today not now but to now episode 35 we're jam-packed we've got venice demarco coming on the show later on here i've also got a immediate wrestlemania reaction with myself and my nine-year-old nephew jackson and that's still to come but right off the bat here i want to say thank you to patrick p daddy abbott for the drop Okay, he didn't tell you the date that he's challenging for the PCW Heavyweight Wrestling Championship, but I'm going to tell you that date in just a second. I also want to thank Dupre for the theme song, the badass theme song, the new theme song that you've heard on the last, what, four episodes now? Maybe five, we'll see. My math's not that good, but... It doesn't matter because Dupre is the man and I am looking forward to getting in the studio with him soon and recording my very first single which is called The Prince of Paradise and it will be dropping probably on the next episode of Mitch Please. I'm very, very excited about it. I'm also, again, very excited about just life, guys. What's going on? I mean, life is beautiful. All right, let's, let's just be real. 
If you have a positive outlook on what's going on and you keep things positive, everything, everything that's going into your eyes, your ears, coming out of your mouth, if it's positive, you're going to have a great life. And, and that's what I'm doing right now. And I've been doing a lot of uh, open mic comedy, getting back in the game. You know, I left for four months and I'm back in the game and I've been hitting the mics and I've been in just loving it. I got myself a tip cup, been getting some tips and I've got some big announcements to make here. All right. So first of all, I want to say Got Mitch Marketing is back. It's open for business. I'm accepting new clients. So if you have an event or if you have a product that you want to promote and you want somebody that has, I don't know, let's say 13 years of experience promoting marketing, I'm your guy. My name, Mitch Valentine on Facebook, my Facebook page, Got Mitch Marketing. Check me out. Like it. Invite your friends to like it, share it, and then go ahead and send me a message and uh, let's get to work because that's what I'm here to do. I'm here for my purpose. I'm here to put in work and I know what I'm capable of doing. And if you want to make dreams happen, you just shoot me a message. Okay, and here's what else is going on. This Thursday night, let's give it up for my boy, Dylan Collins. He is bringing stand-up comedy to Unwind in Chico. All right, he's got John Ross headlining. He's got Don Ashby. He's got Sidney Hupp. He's got Phil from Chico. He's got Jordan Riggins. And again, Dylan Collins. He is hosting. He is the man. I believe he sold the event out. You might be able to contact Unwind to get a last-minute ticket if they have room for you. But congratulations to Dylan Collins in advance. I look forward to having him on this podcast down the line. And I'm very proud of that young man. No doubt about it. We also, guys, have a lot going on. A lot going on. I'm going to show some love to the family. My mom, Robin Valentine, has an event going on April 26th. The House Cats at Almendra Winery in Durham. Make sure you guys check that out. It's free to go watch some amazing singing, saxophone playing, keyboarding, dancing. And it's there's going to be some stand-up comedy elements in that as well. Again, April 26th. At the Almendra Winery. Check out the House Cats on Facebook. As Patrick P. Daddy P. Daddy Addy, P. Daddy Abbott, uh, refer, you know, uh, basically referenced earlier, you know, he has the biggest match of his life uh, coming up on April 27th at the Oroville Southside Community Center. It's Pro Championship Wrestling Extreme Measures 20. They're celebrating 20 years in business. Congratulations to them. Of course, nothing but love for PCW. It's tatted on my right calf on the side there, looking fresh. And, of course, you guys, I'm sure hopefully are aware of, of all my contributions to PCW over the years. And I, again, wish them nothing but the best. And the card looks pretty solid. Uh, you've got a nice women's match here with Maple and Kimmy. You've got Sin versus Shoop. You've got Mr. Prime Time versus the bad boy, Boyce Legrand. And again, Patrick P. Daddy Abbott in the main event challenging for the PCW Heavyweight Wrestling Championship against wrestling personified Rick Luxury. Check that out April 27th. Also, on April 27th, Paul Priest. Uh, his band, up to 11, later that night. You can check both these shows out. Uh, later on that night at the Studio Inn in Chico, up to 11 is going to be getting after it. And I definitely recommend checking those two events out. I might even have to do so myself. Now, I want to announce 
my events that I am promoting, that I'm all in for, that Pro Championship Entertainment is proudly presenting. And circle your calendars right now. You've got a little less than two months here as I record this live. June 15th, 615, Saturday, June 15th. First of all, here's what we're doing. Because I'm doing two shows on that day. It's going to be a historic day. It's the first time I've ever booked two shows in one day. And that's how PCE is coming back. First show is free. And it's in paradise. And it's called a beautiful event. And it's going to be a variety show. There's going to be live music with Paul Priest, with Robin Valentine. There's going to be stand-up comedy with Ms. Alma, Germ Leather, Dylan Collins. And I'm going to be hosting that. And I'm going to have more talent to announce here, probably the next episode of Mitch Please. Also on that night, and by the way, that event in Paradise is at the Paradise Rec Center from 4 to 8 p.m., and it's free. And it's going to be on the basketball court in the middle of town. Come on out, guys. Let's celebrate Butte County. Let's ce- let's let's celebrate Paradise. Let's have some fun. Let's entertain. Let's smile. Let's laugh. Let's dance. Let's sing. Let's do it all in Paradise on June 15th from 4 to 8 p.m. Then at 9 p.m., on June 15th, at the Spirit Venue in Oroville, Pro Championship Entertainment stand-up comedy going down. Once again, it's a return to the Spirit Venue. Very excited to announce that Ms. Alma is going to be headlining that show. And also, Germ Leather, and also Dylan Collins, and your host, Mitch Valentine. Perhaps I'll announce another comedian for that event as well. We will see. But I'm just very excited to announce these events, guys. I am so, so, oh my God, like totally, like, oh my God, so, like, loving life. And I hope that you guys are loving your life. And I hope that you guys are enjoying, you know, I don't know, maybe my challenge to AJ Kirsch. Did you guys see that? Did you see that on YouTube.com slash Valentine? I've basically challenged AJ Kirsch, a.k.a. Brosif Joe Brody, to defend his Rock the Promo Championship. And AJ Kirsch has nothing to say. The Facebook video has almost a 1,000 views. The YouTube video only has about a 100 views. I, I really appreciate it if people would share that video on YouTube.com slash Valentine. Mitch challenges AJ and... I laid it down. I said, listen, I respect you, AJ Kirsch. I do. You're one of my original trainers. I I admire you. But if you're going to call yourself a champion, you need to defend your damn title. And I'm not going to shut up about this. And it's probably going to air on Keeping It 100 with Conan. And this is never going to stop. So AJ Kirsch, the sooner you defend that title and lose it to me, the better off for everybody. So... There's that, guys. And before we cut over to these awesome two segments coming up here with Jackson and, of course, this amazing, hilarious interview with Venice DeMarco, I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. But I just want to say the future of this show, I want to just to let you guys know what we're looking at here in the future. We've got uh, Propane is going to be a guest on the show coming up. 
uh, former PCW Heavyweight Wrestling Champion Propane. He will be a future guest. Uh, also, um, I'm probably going to potentially air a sermon from Rama Word of Faith via Vince Haney, who Vince Haney is a guy that I'd also like to have on this show down the line for an interview, but I definitely have a, a incredible sermon uh, from this past Sunday that I recorded that I would love to share with all of you via Mitch, please. So be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for the return of Throwback Breakdown, which is where I take a moment or maybe a match and just kind of reflect on it and talk about what led up to it and what exactly happened and why also we're going to talk about chris benoit chris benoit's uh 12 year i believe yeah 12 year anniversary of that whole situation is we're about to hit that next month or i'm sorry in june so in june i will be talking about chris benoit and i might have a couple people with me to talk about that but right now we're going to talk about wrestlemania because as johnny the muscle dog metzger would say Everybody loves WrestleMania. And I watch WrestleMania with GDD and his family as I do almost every dang wrestling event. Every big one anyways. And I grabbed my nine-year-old nephew Jackson right after. We went outside for about five minutes. We talked about what we thought of the show. So you're going to hear that. And then directly after, you will hear the interview with Venice DeMarco. Enjoy. Well, it's been three years since I've had my nephew Jackson on the show, and we just finished watching WrestleMania. Seven and a half hours of WrestleMania. This is an immediate reaction. Jackson, welcome back to Mitch, please. Sup. Sup. Hey, so, let's just talk about it. Becky Lynch. Um, stupid Ronda. Stupid Ronda. Ronda got what she deserved, man. She she got pinned one, two, three. Becky Lynch is the champion. She's the double champion. She's the champ champ. And I'll tell it to you like this. When we first were about to watch the main event, I said, let's let's talk. Let's see what your mom, your dad, you, me, your sister, and of course Sasha, the dog. What was everybody thinking? And everyone was thinking their heart said Becky, but their head said something else. Because we've had all new champions crowned all across the board. But you were the only one that said, my heart says Becky and my head says Becky. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, because you knew what was up, man. And let's talk about what else happened. AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. It was kind of boring. There wasn't much um, just... Boring. It's AJ Styles, no, I man. Said kind of. Oh, kind of boring. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, hey, I respect that. I respect that. It's AJ Styles, though. They should have had extreme rules. Extreme rules. No discord. Well, that maybe they'll build to that because it was their first match, you know, and they they no. maybe the Orton and AJ will build to another match with more uh, stipulations. Now, who's your favorite wrestler in the WWE? I thought it was AJ Styles. It is. Okay, but you call you saying he's kind of boring. No, that match was. Okay, 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 okay. Just checking here. Just just checking the facts here. Just checking the facts on Mitch, please, with Jackson. couple minutes, man. Uh, I know it's it's almost bedtime for you. you it's 9.30, man. We've been what? It's not? No. I'm When's bedtime? Bed. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We've been watching WrestleMania for seven and a half hours. And uh, what else stood out? What, what else stood out to you tonight? Um... Triple H, Batista, Kurt Angle. I like the nose ring. I called it. 
You called it. You did. We saw Triple H getting uh, what needle nose pliers, and you said he's gonna rip out his nose ring, and you called it, bro, before it happened. That was classic. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So Finn Balor the Demon is that your guy still? Mm, kind of. No. So AJ's number one. Who's number two? Becky Lynch. There you go. There you go. Red. Red thirty-five. Red thirty-five. Said hut. Do we throw the football a little bit tonight? Yeah, but not right now. Not right now. Well, that'd be hard to. Super dark. Super dark. Yeah, it will be hard to hold the microphone and talk to you with throwing a football. Yeah. But we're talking about WrestleMania, and I think we have to talk about the fact that you put on a Samoa Joe hoodie, and Samoa Joe choked out Rey Mysterio in like three minutes. Yeah, but first of all, um, his hand went down and it touched himself, and then um, he squeezed his fingers. You talking about whose hand? Mysterio's hand went down. Yeah. And who squeezed his fingers? Mysterio. Mysterio squeezed his own fingers. Yeah. Still who does that at WrestleMania? You still moving? Well, I'll tell you what, man. It was I thought one of the greatest WrestleManias I've ever seen. I'm not gonna lie. We're just immediately reacting here. Uh, it's great to have you on the show, dude. Seriously, you know you're, you're episode ten, and here we are. Episode 35, man, and it's WrestleMania 35, and it's what we always do every dang year, pretty much. It's me and you and GDD and sometimes Pat and sometimes Pat. Shout out to P Daddy. Shout out, no doubt. And again, and your mommy, sister, the dog Sasha. I mean, did you have a good time? Did you eat enough food? What's up? Yeah, but what happened to V Daddy? V-Daddy, man, he's actually never been brought up on Mitch, please. You're making history, you're always making history. No, shout out to V-Daddy, man, P-Daddy's brother, V-Daddy, P and V-Daddy. Yeah, we got to get them on the show, no doubt, no doubt, brother. Good, good suggestion. So, what did you think about, last thing here, because, you know I was wearing my Kurt Angle hat, and you know I love Kurt Angle. He's one of my favorites of all time. And I know you probably haven't seen a whole lot of Kurt Angle, but what did you think about 50-year-old Kurt Angle doing it one more time and calling it a career at WrestleMania? No. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night he's going to show up on Raw? Yeah, and beat Corbin. And beat Corbin, tap him out? Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, we hit our five-minute mark. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Isn't Kurt Angle on the WrestleMania 22 thing you gave to me? Kurt Angle was at WrestleMania 22 as the world champion, defended it against Orton and Mysterio and lost it. Yeah, I gave you that DVD, yeah. Well, you know, I give you a lot of things. How many wrestling action figures do you have? Almost 50. Almost 50. Like 45. Man, that's incredible, man. You You love your wrestling. And you are a great kid, and I really appreciate you coming on Mitch, please. Sitting here live for episode 35, joined by one of my mentors in pro wrestling. He is the owner of the Mad Cloud Vape Shop in Redding, California. He is a NorCal wrestling legend. He is Venice DeMarco. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we got Philbert here joining us as well, and we're here to talk about VD. (laughs) We're here to talk about the life and 
everything, and then this is probably going to be a two-parter, maybe a three-parter, so this is part one. Uh, the life of Venice DeMarco, man. How, what was life like growing up? Life was good growing up, but I'll tell you what, you guys are in for a treat, because you all never have seen VD like this before. <laughs> so you guys are in for a treat. You never heard VD like this. You, you never heard VD like this before. <laughs> Where'd you grow up? I grew up in uh, Redwood City, California. So I'm born and bred in the Bay Area. Um, I, my parents were together my whole life. My dad passed away in 2013. Um, my mom is still around, and they live. She still lives in the Bay Area. And I grew up in a in a typical household. I mean, there was no chaos. There was no drama. My dad worked hard to support the family. My mom worked hard to support the family. I'm the youngest of four. So I have uh, one brother and two older sisters. The baby. I'm the baby of the family. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and I, I was, uh, it's funny, I was going through some old photos, and I saw one where my family took us to uh, Universal Studios, and there's a picture of us as kids with the A-Team van. You know the TV show The A-Team, oh, yeah, where yeah. B.A. had the, the, the um, he had the, uh, the black van with the red stripe. There was, a, there was a thing there where you can, like, lift it up, and in the picture, it's me, like, like wrenching my face and, like, I'm trying to use all my strength to lift it up. Yeah. So at an early young age, I kind of had a flair for showmanship. You had the facial expressions, and you still do. And <laughs> what inspired you, man? Was it – because I know you like – everybody that knows you knows you like comic books. Obviously, yeah. you like pro wrestling. What got you going early? So – I have kind of the typical pro wrestler story. So I started as a kid watching pro wrestling. I was about eight years old, and I kind of narrowed it down to the first match that really got me into it was Hogan versus the Iron Sheik for the old WWF title. You started Hulkamania. I started Hulkamania. That match, I'm convinced, is the one that led me down the path. I saw that match, and I was like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I have to do this. I have to do this. And I knew that at like eight years old growing up. And just, I got into wrestling from that point on, and I was a fan ever since. So, Hulk Hogan. Hogan and Iron Sheik. And then from there... Well, who did you like, though? Who I, was your... See, that's the thing. From there, I splintered off into my own favorites. I definitely was a Hulkamaniac until the Ultimate Warrior came around. Oh, man. <laughs> then I was an Ultimate Warrior guy. So, when Warrior beat Hogan at WrestleMania, I was like, yeah! I was stoked. Um, but yeah, as a kid, I loved The Ultimate Warrior. Demolition was a fan favorite of mine. I love Demolition. Um, I was a big fan of Randy Savage. Um, I, was, I was a WWF guy, and I didn't get into WCW until about the 90s. So you were real into the cartoon kind of character. Because you like yeah. comics. So what were some of your favorite like comic book characters? So, so what got me into comics was the X-Men. I was an X-Men guy through and through. Uh, that's what got me started. I read, um, it was an Uncanny X-Men annual drawn by Arthur Adams. And again, I've narrowed it down recently to this is the comic that kind of got me started. And it was, uh, it was an appearance from Longshot, the mutant Longshot. And it was a great story. Arthur Adams drew it. Um, I just recently went to a comic convention and had him sign it. And it was very sentimental to me because I'm like, this is the book that got me into the X-Men and started my journey into comics. And this is about the late 80s. And so I had him sign it. So I'm like, I have this signed copy of this, this book 
that got it all started for me. So I'm pretty proud and happy about that. But yeah, I was an X-Men guy through and through. Never an Avengers guy. I hated the Avengers, actually. I was I was a hardcore mutant guy. Who was your some of your favorite X-Men? Um, I love Cyclops, believe it or not. Yeah. Cyclops was my favorite. He was the... He's the team leader, but like he wasn't the most popular one. Everyone loved Wolverine. Yeah. And I like Wolverine. He's a great guy. Yeah. He's a great comic book character. But uh, I was a Cyclops guy. Um, I loved Psylocke, Jean Grey. Um, I thought Colossus was cool as fuck. I mean, a guy that can just turn into metal and shit. And I'm like, this guy's a powerhouse. What an awesome guy. And, of course, the one that started it all for me was Longshot. He's this guy from another world, and his mutant ability, he's luck. He's very lucky. But the funny thing about that annual and why I liked it is, like, I'm reading this thing, right? And he has his luck powers and all that, but all the chicks were into him. And that was attractive to me. I'm like, how cool would it be to this be this guy, you know? Yeah. All the girls are all into him, and, like, he's got these awesome abilities, and he throws shit really cool, and I thought it would be really cool to be long shot. So that, I always I always love that. So he he's definitely a top favorite of mine. And then later on the road, um, later down the road, Psylocke, Gambit, um, these mutants and stuff like that, so... I always like Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler's Nightcrawler. I I wasn't a hardcore fan of his until the second X Men movie. That opening scene where Nightcrawler wrecks everyone in the White House. I'm going. This is one of the fucking coolest scenes I've ever seen. Now, here, let me ask you this. We might have talked about this before, but yeah. something that bugs me about the X Men movies because I, I like Nightcrawler. I, I liked Wolverine. I like Sabretooth too. Yeah. But I never understood why they never put the blue and yellow suit. On Hugh Jackman in the X-Men movies. Yeah. I read somewhere that in an interview that Brian Singer wanted to go for realistic. So he thought bright yellow spandex wasn't the way to go. Because if they're going to be like this kind of secret thing, they got to be in black. And that's what I heard, that it wasn't a practical thing. So, I again, I'm against it. Because yeah. then they did it in first class. So okay. it's like, yeah, they put the, yeah, in the first class, I think, and then the follow-up movies. They have them in yellow suits. I haven't seen that, bro. I'll have to watch that. Yeah, well, it's not the best movie. And they're not the first fucking class, by the way. And see, this is the thing. This might be a four-part podcast. Just talking about the X-Men oh, might no. be a four-part podcast. Don't ask me my, about my, my, my very well-documented, passionate hatred for the X-Men movies past X-Men number two so well yeah i just feel like they missed a lot of marketing by not putting them. I, I love the I, suit personally i'm with you 100 percent. i yeah. agree 100 percent. so so you're like five six seven eight yeah. nine ten watching uh, wrestling digging the comic books and then like going into your teenage years man were you into sports or were you just still more into your characters and, and what were you into i was hardcore into comics uh, starting high school um i was watching wrestling religiously in high school um, I knew I, at that point I was going to be a professional wrestler, but I didn't know how to get into it. So my sister's boyfriend at the time, uh, he knew the wrestling coach at my high school. So he goes, Vince, I'm going to take you and I'm going to introduce you to the wrestling coach and we're going to get you in. And I got excited. I'm like, oh, this is my shot. Oh, my God. I'm going to be a professional wrestler. This is going to be great. You know, but it's is high school wrestling. And I knew then that, like, there was a difference between pro wrestling and this wrestling. But I figured this is the beginning steps. This is how you start. And this is how you get going with that. So in high school, I wrestled for three of my four high school years. Um, but I was really bad at it. <laughs> I lost a lot. And I, I took it seriously to a certain extent. But I wasn't the best in shape. Um, 
And believe me, I, I can send you pictures. I have a picture of me in my high school singlet. Oh, yeah. Looking like, a, you want to talk about baby face. Oh, my God. Post sat on a thir- on a throwback Thursday for us. <laughs> Definitely will. <laughs> and so I wrestled in high school, and that's about as far as my athleticism in high school goes. I wasn't good at it. I, looking back, I wish I took it more seriously. Um, I wish I took my body more seriously, which will come up again when we talk about pro wrestling. Um it's yeah. So that's that was my athleticism in high school and my teenage years were was you, wrestling in high school. Were you reading like the dirt sheets and like the autobiographies and like trying to watch as much wrestling as you could, or were you more of just kind of like the casual WWF fan where you watched Raw and and maybe uh, SmackDown if that was happening no, at that point? No, so I no, so I was watching. Um, the, I was watching Superstars in those days. It was a uh, Saturday morning Superstars, and believe me, I was one of those kids that saw. Randy Savage get the snake bit on his arm yeah. that Saturday morning, and I'm sitting there like everyone else, shitting his pants, going, "Oh my God, he's gonna die! What's gonna? He, this snake's biting him! It's gonna bite his arm off! Holy, what's gonna happen?" You know, this is me freaking out as a kid, going, and I remember Vince McMahon. There better not be any venom in that snake. There better not be any poison. And Vince losing his mind, which is making me lose my mind, and I'm going like, "This is insane!" And it made me hate Jake the Snake Roberts because he's so evil, you know. And, and uh, yeah, I love that. So I was watching Superstars and then the Mothership Saturday night. So it was a uh, WCW ran Saturday night at 3.05 on TBS. And that early 90s is when I started getting into WCW more than the WWF. Because for me, I liked the serious competition aspect of it. I liked the gimmicks too. Like I said, Demolition, one of my favorite tag teams of all time, which will lead into more later when I start talking about me wrestling because it ties in there. Oh, yeah. Um, So uh, WCW, I like the more serious aspect of it. And WWF, in my opinion, was getting too too circus-y. Yeah. It was getting too clownish. Too like ridiculous with the gimmicks. Doink was coming up and all this nonsense. Duke the dumpster drozy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, exactly. So, so I turned more to WCW, and that's when I saw stunning Steve Austin. Oh yeah. And I hated that fucking guy. He was a world television <laughs> champ forever, and I'm like, this fucking guy with this blonde hair and robe. Fuck this guy and the Dangerous Alliance. And I was a Sting guy. I was like, Sting's gonna show them and all that stuff. <laughs> He's gonna kill their butts exactly yeah, so um, i love it <laughs> i was a sting guy um i remember seeing rick rude back then when he went to the dangerous alliance and i was like <gasps> ravishing rick rude by the way one of my favorite feuds of all time ravishing rick rude versus the ultimate warrior oh yeah um i was watching jake the snake versus ravishing rick rude this was like last year at the store like i'm going through all my favorite feuds yep. and i'm like this stuff was the best man i watched it all it was fantastic well i think what we grew up watching to us is always the best right because it's like that's how we just grew up that's how we are our you know bodies our minds everything was was growing as we're you know watching what we love which is wrestling and so yeah i didn't start watching until 2000 but i've gone back into the 90s and 80s and i've watched a lot of that stuff and i appreciate it for what it is and i'm a big fan of a lot of the guys that you've mentioned so who or when was that moment where you saw maybe a match or a storyline, and you decided I'm going to be a pro wrestler. Uh, that that I knew when I was a kid. Okay. So when I was in the, when I saw that Hogan Iron Sheik match, All that right. set me on the path. Six I, years old. I, eight. 
I was eight years old. So that was it. But hold on. I just want to establish something right now to take a break here. Mitch just said he started watching the 2000s. I'm a lot earlier. Clearly, there's an age difference here, people, that you can't see. I'm 42. Mitch, how old are you? I'm, I'm 31. He's 31. Okay, so we see the age gap here and why I started earlier. Well, I started watching when I was 12 but because I, I didn't like wrestling until – here's what happened. I mean, people that know me know the story. I'm not going to get into it super heavy, but like mm-hmm. – I was like, this is, I didn't like it. I was, they're fake fighting in their underwear. I didn't like it. I knew I knew what the deal was, and I didn't like it. But then The Rock came along, and everybody at school is talking about The Rock, and you got to watch The Rock, so I did, and, and that's my idol. And, I lo- and I've loved it, and got into the Kurt Angles and the Triple H's and everybody else. But for you, it's Hulk Hogan. It's The, it's the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. It's Demolition. Macho Man, Demolition. Yeah. Um, I was a big British bull guy, the Bulldogs guy, too. I love them, because I love animals. So with Matilda there with the Bulldogs, I'm like, yeah, they're the best. <laughs> yeah. Well, so... so and, the, you asked about the defining moment. Sorry yeah. to take a break there. So, yeah, I just want to establish our ages here just so you can see why he started later and I'm talking about the early days and all that stuff. Um, there definitely was, like, something in the 90s that really pushed me harder to become a wrestler, and that was the era of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, hell yeah! Austin 316 and the Attitude Era, that really, really set me on the path to going where, like, I knew I wanted to do this as a kid, but now I'm I'm older, wiser, not really. <laughs> I need to do this. How do I do this? You know, so when Austin 316 was born, wrestling for me became must-see TV. Oh, yeah. The Monday Night Wars, I never missed a night. Uh, raw Nitro. It was all about Nitro first and then Raw. And I just posted about this on Facebook. Uh, someone was talking about it. And um, I was fortunate enough where I didn't have to flip through channels to go back and forth between Nitro and Raw. Where I was, Nitro was on first. And when it ended, Raw started. That's awesome. So it was a Monday night of wrestling. And here's a funny little side note, too. Um, I started going out with my ex-wife, uh in the late 90s, and before, like, when we started our relationship, I told her, I said, you know, Monday nights, they're off limits. I'm not doing <laughs> anything but watching wrestling on Monday nights, so don't plan anything for yeah, us. There'll come be, on. There'll be no dates. <laughs> yes. But if you want to come over and watch wrestling with me and my cousin Mike... Go for it. But otherwise, this is what I do, and this is not changing. Shout out to Cousin Mike. Shout out to Cousin Mike. Mike's my homie. He's my best friend in the whole world. We grew up, we're cousins, but he's like a brother to me. I'll do anything for him, and he will do anything for me. And I love my cousin, and he's a big wrestling fan too. He's come and watched me wrestle. He he loves to hear the inside dirt. He watches more wrestling-related stuff now than I do, actually. He listens to it more. He listens to a lot of podcasts and all that stuff, but... I love my cousin Mike and all my family. Oh yeah, I'm sure he's listening to this podcast right here, man. <laughs> Shout out. And and yeah, everybody for the most part I think that knows you in wrestling knows about you and Christina and, and you guys and, and I want to get into maybe later about some of the parties that we had yeah. with at, at the Shipman household. Shipman and Shipman and, and I'll tell you what, those are some great times. Uh some idiotic times for me personally acting me like a drunk idiot but um but no but let's talk about how you started training because i think was it maybe some beyond the mat i know you talk about beyond the mat was that kind of what inspired you to start training with apw absolutely so um getting back to austin 316 so i'm like this is the coolest guy in wrestling right now i love that he was a bad guy and everyone hated him and the way he was booked was perfect that feud with the Hart Foundation set the world on fire. Vince McMahon right afterwards. They're two of the greatest feuds in wrestling today. 
uh, I don't think anything really kind of holds a candle to it. I mentioned a couple of my earlier favorite feuds, but those two, man, it was must-see TV. So then, in the late 90s, there was a little movie that came out called Beyond the Mat. So I'm like, wait a minute, there's there's a promotion in here that's featured. Wait, they're in Hayward? I gotta go see this movie. So I watched this movie, and APW was spotlighted in the movie, as everyone knows, that's seen Beyond the Mat. So I'm sitting there going like, wait a minute, that's right in my backyard. Hayward is like 30 minutes away from where I live. There's actually a school here. I can get trained. I can do this. So I start freaking out because my dream is like, can be a reality where I live. So I'm like, shit, I need to get in with this school. So I start going to all pro wrestling shows. I start going to APW shows, getting to know the wrestlers, who's who and what's what. Um, before I even started training. So, How old were you? Uh, this was, I was uh, 25-ish. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, oh, wait a second. So you wanted to be a wrestler since you were eight. Yeah. What? So, but 25 was yeah. when you decided, I'm going to look into a training school. What took, yes. if you don't mind me, what took so long? Because a lot of people start at 18. You're absolutely right. So what took so long was, it was a money thing. Because um, it was expensive. It was a money thing, and I had no money back then. I mean, I'm in my 20s. I had no fucking money. Yeah. And um, it was that, and not not knowing how to get into it. That's why it took so long for me. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know schools existed. I yeah. didn't know how to get into the business. I didn't know anything. And you asked earlier if I read the dirt sheets and all that stuff. I didn't start reading those until, like, the internet started blowing up. So, yeah. like, in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, that's when I was up on uh, the dirt sheets. Like I went to like onewrestling.com, I think it was. Um, I was looking at that shit, and I love that site, and I love the official WCW and WWF sites, and I went to those, even though those are faved and all that stuff. But yeah, so um, I didn't know how to get into it. It was a little different time, yeah. because we 11 years apart here. Yeah. For me, I mean, obviously I was online in 2099, but then maybe so were you, but at that point, you know, you were in your 20s. Absolutely. So... You make sense, man. Yeah, like it was. It is a secret, you know. It's kind of secret society back, especially in the er, the nineties and the eighties and stuff. A secret society where like you don't know unless we want you to know, kind of deal. That's exactly right. I mean, you want to go back farther, like in the seventies. All I heard was stories of how do I get into the business, and it's nineteen seventies, you know. And basically, I thought how you got in back then was like a wrestler would have to take you under their wing. Yep. You travel with them, you carry their bags, and then eventually they'll show you some stuff, and you listen. To their stories and you soak it all in and that's how i heard in the 70s that's how you became a wrestler that's kind of how i started training to be honest with yeah. zach but whole different story but for you when you started yeah. so you were 25 years old yeah you had been going to apw gym wars yeah. you've been meeting all the wrestlers you've been researching i guess the product and the company so i'm on beyond the mat and you met roland alexander right yeah. was that the first person you talked to yes like, it was i reached out to apw when i was ready and I spoke with Roland about signing up, and I uh, went there, worked out a payment plan. Believe me, because I had no money, so like I paid Roland a payment plan with all that for the school. You know, and it is APW was one of the most expensive schools, like ever known to man. I mean, this is five, six, five, six thousand dollars you're paying for school, and in my opinion. APW was well worth it. They took it seriously. They trained you properly. And people think, oh my God, that's so much money. But you know what? It was worth it. And I don't regret it one second. I can just hear the the words from beyond the mat. We don't care if you got good credit, bad credit, no credit. Everybody signs up. Everybody pays. And he's absolutely right. I love it. 
That was me. Yeah. I, I, I had all of that. That was me. I had bad credit, no credit. I didn't have good credit. I had no money. And I worked it out with him. And you know what? Roland has been, he was nothing but good to me. My whole time at APW, he took care of me. He was like the second dad to me. He was like, he was there for me and he did a lot for me. He really did behind the scenes. He did a lot for me and I just, I just miss rolling to pieces. So, can can you, peace, brother? Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, that's how, that's how I got started. I've made the call to APW. The first person I met there to get signed up after Roland was Donovan Morgan. So Donovan Morgan was the trainer there with uh, Michael Modest and uh, Vinny Massaro. So we're talking now, we're fast forwarding to 2001. My first class at APW was September 2001 in the beginner's camp. My trainers were Vinny Massaro and Billy Bricks. Billy Bricks. So an interesting little side note here with APW back then is that I started right when guys like Michael Modest, Donovan Morgan, there was a coup at APW, and these guys left the promotion to start Pro Wrestling Iron. So I came in kind of at the the start of all that craziness. So when I was there at the beginner's camp, they left, and they started Pro Wrestling Iron, and they went on their way. And Vinny was training me, and then I think he eventually stopped and did something else. But yeah, Vinny Massaro and Billy Bricks were my trainers to start in 2001. And can you take me through that first day of training? That first day, maybe it wasn't even the first day, but when you started bumping... And like, how did you react to that? I loved it. I'm like, this is this is what it takes to be a wrestler. And I was just in seventh heaven. The first time I got in the ring, and like, attempted to run the ropes because I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> was just fun for me. It was like a childhood dream come true. I was just like, this is awesome. You know, this is the best, dude. This is this, this is it. I'm actually doing it. But that first day, man, um, it, there's a reason why it's called the APW Boot Camp. Because this really was like an army boot camp. And in my camp, uh, 2001, we started with 30 plus people. And eventually my camp got weeded down to me and um, another guy who I definitely want to talk about. He's on the list to talk about a little bit later. But me and another guy. Who was it? it uh, Let's just say his real first name is Seth. He's wrestled by the name Ryan Drago. And most recently, he was known as Simon Gotch from the Vaudeville Villains. So, Well, let's talk about him. Yeah. So me and Seth were the only two last men standing in our class. And he went on to do big things. And it's, it's awesome with Seth because, like, he loved wrestling. He loves wrestling. He does. He loves wrestling with a passion. Yeah. His style, though, back then, he wanted, like, as I understood it with Seth, is that he wanted to go to Japan. His whole goal in those early days was to go to Japan. He wanted to do Japanese strong style wrestling. He wanted to go to Japan. That was it, you know. So uh, we we trained together. We did matches. We wrestled single matches together. He was a uh, he was fun, you know. He was you never know what would happen next with Seth, you know. And he was he was a little wild, you know. That's why I got the name Psycho Seth because he was a little wild and a little crazy. And so. Um, we were the last two, and it's funny because, like, I always thought in those early days in my head, like, I would be the one to, like, make it big. Like, I would be the one to go to, like, the WWF and all that stuff. Out of all the people that are coming up, it's going to be me, 
Um, you know, and I never thought in a million years that it would have been Seth. Well, and, you got to think that because if you yeah. don't believe that you're going to be the best, then guess what? You're probably not going to be the best. So that you had that mindset, I mean, because you're great. You know what I mean? And yeah. you had the belief in the mindset that I am great and I'm going to do this. And so you and Simon Gotch, yeah. I have never met him. I've heard stories from different people about him. And that was the guy that you basically learned your fundamentals and practiced your fundamentals with training under again Donovan Morgan. And it was Vinny Massaro. Vinny Massaro, I'm sorry. Yep. And Billy, who was it? Billy Bricks. See, I've never heard that name. Yeah, he wrestled for Pro Wrestling Iron. He went with them and all that stuff. And I don't know what he's doing now, but he was my trainer. I, I can't say anything more about it. But I do want to get back to Simon Gotch and just say, like, he, he, he worked in the Bay Area and he wrestled in California and he went here and he went there. He eventually moved over to Harley Race's camp. And when he did that, like... My like I, I had nothing but respect for him. I'm sitting there going like he wants to make it. He's going to wrestle with Harley's promotion. He's over in Missouri doing his thing. And my whole mindset on him kind of changed. Where I'm like, good for him. He's fucking doing it, man. He, uh, you can't knock this guy for fucking living his shit. He got big. He got. He looks good. You know, I'm sitting there going like, shit. He looks better than I do. Good for you, man. I was so happy for him. And then um, Harley Race would do these camps. So he did um, these like one week long wrestling seminars where he brought in people, you critique, you pay him uh, for the week long camp, and you'd learn under some famous people, you know, and it was really cool. His students were there, Simon Gotch was there. And so um, I remember going up to him and saying, Man, I'm so happy for you that you've done this shit. Look what you're doing now, man. This is fantastic, you know. And it was great seeing him there as one of Harley's boys. I mean, he's one of Harley's boys. And I'm looking at him going, like, good for him, you know. And then to hear, like, he got signed at a development deal. And by the way, if I'd never got into wrestling, and I'm not saying this because, like, you know, you know, I don't want to suck Simon Gotch's cock or anything. <laughs> But I'm just sitting there going, like, if I wasn't a fan of wrestling, if I, w- if I didn't get into the wrestling business and I saw the, the villains, the vaudeville villains, and I saw them up there, I would mark out so hardcore for their gimmick. Yeah. They've got the gimmick that I would love to love. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, they're bad guys. They're doing the old-timey carnival gimmick. I'm like, this is genius. Their entrance was awesome. I marked out hard. And I'm like, you know what? Good for you, Simon Gotch. I'm so happy for you. I hope you're making a shit ton of money. But the thing that got me was I was shocked. Because I'm remembering back in the days, I'm going, his goal was Japan. Not like the WWF at all. So, like, I'm kind of surprised by this. But good for you. I hope you're making a shit ton of money. And I hope this leads you to Japan and everything else you wanted to do. Yeah. I thought WWE dropped the ball with that gimmick without a doubt. It was good. And and Simon Gotch, I hear now, I hear his name. I think he's got a different name. Simon Grimm, I think. And he's wrestling for MLW, which okay. is an up-and-coming promotion that is, they're doing good things. Uh, Major League Wrestling, I think. Check check them out. They, I know yeah. they were a big thing back in the day, and now they're kind of back under Court Bauer. And anyways, they're, they're doing they're doing really cool things, and, and he's a part of that. And yeah. So, also, I, I know, I remember you telling me that you trained with Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson. Yeah. That, that's a little awesome little fun fact with me that I get to kind of talk about. Um, so after the beginner's camp was done, APW did this test to where you can go to the semi-pro camp. So I took the test, and I passed it the first time around, and um, I got to the semi-pro camp. My trainers for the semi-pro camp was uh, Daniel Bryan, Robert Thompson, and James Watkins. These guys, these three, are instrumental in me becoming the wrestler I became. There's no doubt about it. 
It's not any one person. It's a combination of these three people. Daniel Bryan, Robert Thompson, James Watkins. And I just can't stress enough how they were instrumental in making me the wrestler that I am. The brown bomber, Robert Thompson. That's right. So um, the way Daniel Bryan got involved with APW was is that Roland put on a big show called The King of Indies. And I think this actually was in 2001. Yes. The King of Indies where he wrestled then as American Dragon. So I always call him Dragon, American Dragon. So i got to remember to call him Daniel Bryan. Um, just call him the WWE champion. That, <laughs> just call him the champ. That's that's right. <laughs> so uh, so he won that tournament, and Roland wanted to keep him on as the head trainer for all pro wrestling. So he stayed on, and that's how I got to train under him and Robert at first. They were the two semi-pro trainers. So um, they trained me on the more advanced basics of wrestling. We start with the semi-pro camp. We start getting into the moves. This is how you do a suplex. This is how you do a body slam. Hip, to- uh, hip tosses were beginner's camp, I think. But this is how you do this stuff, you know. So we were getting more advanced along the way to becoming an actual professional wrestler and making your debut. Daniel Bryan, the Brown Bomber, Robert Thompson were first with that. What was Daniel Bryan like as a person and as a trainer? He was humble as fuck. He was nothing but professional, humble, and just outgoing and positive. His positivity was just like was 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 in was just intoxicating. He was just very positive, upbeat, and he loved wrestling. Even back then, he ate, slept, and breathed wrestling. It wasn't a joke. It wasn't a gimmick. It wasn't anything. He lived that shit. You know, and it's just even back then we were like, why isn't this guy in the WWF? Why isn't he there? He's the best wrestler on the scene, and he needs to be there. And he had just you know. started wrestling. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he trained with uh, Shawn Michaels and all that. And so, yeah. So I remember uh, I had to take him to the airport for some of the shows as part of paying your dues. APW needs you to do something. You go do it. So I gladly did it, and it's leading me to another thought and another side note here, which is a story I can't wait to tell. But tell uh, it, brother. I'm gonna. But hold on, we got to talk about Dragon. So. Um, so the champ, the WWF champ, uh, I took him to the airport for one of his shows, and I think it was for Ring of Honor. He was booked for Ring of Honor, and I think I was taking him to the airport. And I just remember having a conversation with him in the car going, um, you know, do you know what you're going to do in your match? You know, do you know how this is going to go down? And he goes, no, 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 I'm just going to, you know, think about it there. You know, just go in. And Daniel Bryan loves to be, he loves to work. And what that means to people that aren't in the biz is he just likes to go in there and just do a match. You know, he wasn't big on the choreography um, or anything like that. Um, he, he, I believe, I don't want to speak for him, but, you know, I think he did, like, finishes and all that stuff. So he knew how the end of the match is going to go. But he loved to work. He loved to get in the ring and just roll around. And he was fucking damn good at it. You know, there's a reason why he's the champ. So he's, he's the best wrestler in the world, period. He always, I've always had that viewpoint of him. Since the day I met him and saw him in the ring. So, um, yeah. So, I got to drive him to the airport and kind of pick his brain, you know. We talked back and forth and it was great, you know. And that happened a couple times. I believe it was like two or three times I took him to the airport. Roland says, Venice, I need you to take him to the airport. You got it. You know, I'll take him. And it was great. You know, so as a side note now, um, back in the early days when I was training, APW was running shows at Mare Island in Vallejo. And... um, one of their uh, big attractions was Dalip Singh. 
So uh, that name might be like Dalip Singh. Who the hell is that? Well, people might know him as the Great Kali. Yeah. And if you know the Great Kali, this guy's what seven foot tall, rock solid muscle. He was training at APW, so it was good to see him go to the big show. You know. And so uh, <laughs> I had a little 1995 Toyota Corolla. Nice. And uh, I was tasked with bringing Dalip to the show in Vallejo. <laughs> so I'm like looking at him going, okay, big man, you ready? He's like, <laughs> and I said, okay. I said, let's go to the car. So we go to the car, right? And he's looking around and he sees my small little Toyota Corolla. <laughs> and he points to it. He's like, ah. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, that's my car, big man. You're going to be a shotgun. And he goes, he looks at it and he gets this look on his face like, what the fuck? And he's looking and he's looking and he goes, ah! And he does the shake of the head and he's furling his brow and he's just like, ah! And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't have a bigger car. I'm so sorry. You know, so we get in the car. I'm pushing the seat all the way back. And with the seat all the way back, his knees are in his jaw, you know. He's still all scrunched up. And I'm sitting there looking over going, fuck, this is horrible. I'm like, why is he in my car? I mean, I have the smallest car possible. They stick him in here. So that was a funny story. And uh, I drove to Leap a couple of times and... Uh, it's very memorable how we got this big man in my small car. It reminded me of a Hightower from the Police Academy movies where like, he, had to, he had to literally remove the front seat to drive the car you know, with his legs. So that's a little fun side note with the great Kali and me taking him to Mare Island shows and uh, Daniel Bryan and driving him to the airport for Ring of Honor shows. That's great stuff, bro. Thank you for sharing that. that is, that's hilarious. Um, I love it. Love it. Um, so let's talk about how long you were training before you basically were... I told by, I'm guessing, Roland or maybe one of your trainers. All right, Venice. And for, first of all, well, yeah, let's talk about that. But I also want to know what, like, your original gimmick, if it was Venice DeMarco or what it was. And then, like, when it was decided you were going to have your first match. Okay, there's a great story behind the name. I can't wait to tell this story, too. So I started in September 2001 uh, with Simon Gotch. And then I remember, see, the, one of the cool things about APW that I love so much is that they didn't put you out there until you were ready. Yeah. They made damn sure you knew what you were doing in the ring. Yes. Because you would not embarrass APW. You won't embarrass Roland. You won't embarrass Daniel Bryan. You won't embarrass Robert Thompson in any way, shape, or form. So if it took a year, two years to get ready, three years, five years, five years, then that's when you go out. Good. So I was fortunate enough to wear a caught on. Now, one of my biggest fears with wrestling was not being able to get it. So when I started training, I was like, what if I don't get this? What if it's too hard? What if it's too complicated? And I don't get it. And it just, I fail at it. You know, it was a big fear of mine in the early days. Yep. But as it turns out, uh, I was actually pretty good at it. So, <laughs> so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't worried about it. So I, um, again, they tested me with matches and all that stuff. And when they deemed it ready for me, that's when I made my debut. When Daniel Bryan, Robert Thompson, and Roland said, you know what? He's ready to go. Um, that's when you can make your debut. So I remember um, wrestling. I remember um, getting thrown into Battle Royals. So the, it, it, the APW way to get you started was we're going to throw you in Battle Royals and you're going to get your ass kicked. Was this 02? This was 02. Yes, that is correct. Sorry. Uh, thank you for keeping me on track. This was, I, I, my memory is, is that March of 02. Wow. Five, six months. Yeah. I remember, I want to say it was like March of 02 that I um, made my unofficial kind of debut um, 
getting beat up in battle royals and shit like that. For impressive, AEW. bro. Five, yeah. six months, and then you're ready to be in a battle royal. Yeah. According to APW standards, yes. that's very impressive. Yes, it is. And I thought so, too. So I was like, this is good. I'm actually getting it and all that. And apparently I have a knack for making people look good, which I'm proud of, actually. So that's that's good. But we'll get into that later. But, um, yeah, so they gave me the stamp of approval. I'm ready to go. Now I just needed a name. Yes. So they're like, well, what are we going to call you? So I go up to Daniel Bryan, and I'm like, hey, I got this great name. He's like, he's getting all excited. He's like, he's sitting on the side of the edge, uh, side of the ring, right? So I go up to him, and I'm like, I got this great name. It's going to be awesome. And I remember specifically, Simon Gotch was standing right there. He was standing there just listening, going, I can't wait to hear this. And I'm talking to Dragon, who's sitting on the uh, side of the ring. And I go, here it is. My name is going to be Onslaught. <laughs> you know, I got to say real quick, because it's funny, because for me, I thought my first name was going to be Manslaughter. <laughs> well, it's funny, your reaction to that name, that's exactly what Daniel Bryan did. <laughs> so um, after he was done laughing at me for five minutes, he goes, no, 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 your name's not going to be Onslaught. And then he came up with this jingle, too. He's like, what are you going to do? Come out and be like, here he comes to the ring, Onslaught. Why did, how did you come up with that? Uh, yeah, there's a story behind that, too. <laughs> so Simon Gotch is laughing, too. He, he's laughing at the jingle. Dragon's cracking up. Tears are going down his face. He's like, oh, that's, that's great. You're, you're, yeah, you're not going to be Onslaught. <laughs> He's like, I got the name for you. But the reason why I wanted to be that name is because, and I'm glad I didn't take it, by the way, because like someone with the name Onslaught needs to look like, <laughs> you know, Dalip or like someone or like the Great Khali or someone big, you know, Batista. He yeah. could be an Onslaught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brock Lesnar. He could be an Onslaught. Me? Not so much. I was fucking, what, 230? And not looking like anything, going, yeah, I'm going to be an onslaught, and I'm going to beat people up. <laughs> it's going to be great. Can you imagine my head? This fucking guy. Wow. Yeah, so I was a big fan. Of, so as we've established, I love comic books, yeah. and Onslaught's the name of a major X-Men villain okay. that I loved the most. I thought he was the coolest villain ever. I loved his story, and I wanted to be him. I'm like, that's a great wrestling name. That's going to be it. So, uh, yeah, no, it's not it. So... Um, so he goes, no, 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 I have it for you. And this is the same conversation I'm in. So he's done laughing. Simon Gotcha standing right there. He's like, I got it. You're going to be Venice the Menace. And I'm going, Venice the Menace? I don't want to be Venice the Menace. I'm like, is that like Dennis the Menace? So now I got to dye my hair red and wear suspenders and all that. Look like Dennis the Menace. So I was kind of annoyed at first because I'm like, I'm like, that's, that's, that's lame. I don't want to be like Dennis the Menace. He's like, no, 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 you don't have to do any of that. You're just going to be Venice the Menace. This was Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Okay. He's the one that gave me my first name. Daniel Bryan gave me the name Venice the Menace. So being the student and a part of paying your dues and you, don't, you respect your elders, I said, okay, <laughs> Venice the Menace it is. So we were doing, in front of Jim Wars, we were doing... Um, we were doing amateur style wrestling matches and uh it was me wrestling other students in the beginners camp amateur style to warm the crowd up for the actual wrestling show so that was going on for quite a bit um i think i did really well in that area as did killer j matthias shout out to my boy killer j 
Um, he was really fucking good, and he always beat my ass, and I never beat him. But he had a weight advantage. You had a weight advantage of Killer J. You know it. Was that your first? So that was your first singles match no. in front of a live crowd. Um, yes and no. I mean, as far as amateur wrestling goes, it was like high school all over again. They were high school rules, so it's like high school okay. amateur style wrestling matches. I got you. It wasn't professional wrestling. I got you. So at the tail end of that, when I was ready to make my debut. Um, this was really cool because I loved it was original like it hadn't been done before or anything like that so they're like okay this is the 10th time here comes Vince Shipman and out here for his amateur style wrestling match and everyone's like okay we know this we've seen this already by the way that's a really cool concept I've never heard of that doing amateur wrestling to kind of warm the crowd up this is real wrestling you know or whatever amateur wrestling that's really cool so that's what you were doing and then so then I came out and grabbed the mic and I was like hey listen up you know, I'm sick and tired of doing this amateur wrestling stuff. I didn't come here to be an amateur wrestler. I came here to be a professional wrestler. And the crowd's getting behind me and all that stuff. And they're like, yeah! And I'm like, <laughs> it's funny because Venice the Menace is originally supposed to be a bad guy. Yeah, what, were you, so, what was your gear? So hold on, we'll get to that. Okay. So I said, uh, I said, forget this. I'm not doing this anymore. I am going to be a menace to all pro wrestling. So from now on, you can call me Venice the Menace. Sorry if I'm being loud over there. Oh, we got, a, we got, a, we got a live impromptu uh, introduction, babe. This is Venice DeMarco. How you doing? This is my beautiful red-headed woman, Kaylin. Nice to meet you. Sorry uh, if I'm loud. Did you, did you take your earplugs oh, out? Or? I didn't even need them. Um, yeah, that's who I learned it from. Bye, baby. Love you. I uh, love you too. Um, I'll be back in a little bit. All right. Yeah. Live on Mitch, please. We had an introduction for the first time. It's a beautiful thing. For the first time, and by the way, she's hot. <laughs> Mitch has a hot girlfriend. So, all you guys that maybe not be fans of Mitch Valentine, he's got a hot girlfriend, okay? So, if you guys clown on him, you can't be clowning on her because, damn, fiery redhead, you're right. Thank you. Thank you. And a cute dog. And a cute... I love your dog. So anyway, I said, I'm going to be a menace to all pro wrestling. So you can call me Venice the Menace. So they're like, yeah, everyone's cheering, right? It's going great. Um, And so uh, I went to the back afterwards. And so uh, I remember that I I think they did another... They did another amateur-style wrestling match. And this is great. I'm about to make my debut. And... um, Maybe this happened before this interview, because maybe I was out there already. Yeah, I think, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm placing events out of order here. So before I said that and went out to the ring, I was backstage with uh, Larry Blackwell, who was my first opponent. Yes. So Larry Blackwell, 400 pounds, big monster of APW, um, fantastic guy to wrestle in the ring, fantastic outside of the ring. I love Larry with all my heart. And so um, I'm in the back, right, and they're doing amateur wrestling. And then uh, it was Makoto, and I believe versus John Sargent. <laughs> and so they're doing their amateur wrestling match. And I guess Makoto was on top of John Sargent. And John goes to lift up. He's trying to press up to get to his base, but he was on his fingers. And Makoto's weight was so much, John Sargent literally broke his finger in the middle of the ring. Ow. I'm in the back with Larry getting ready for all this to go down, right? And so... Um, all of a sudden, I hear this, ah! and I'm going, oh, my God, what happened? And he's like, ah, 
And it's just this shrieking scream. And I'm going, oh my God. And then I, I remember someone came to the back and, oh my God, he broke his finger. He broke his finger. It was Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan was freaking out. <laughs> Daniel Bryan was freaking out. Oh my God. Oh my God. He broke his finger. He broke his finger. And his finger was literally broken. Mitch, it was literally sideways. It was sideways like this. Like, uh, and I'm making the motion of pointing my finger sideways. And so... Uh, I'm sitting there going like, holy shit, I'm about to make my debut, right? And I'm going, holy shit, dude. And Larry's just standing there, cool, calm, collected. It's okay. Don't worry, Venice. You'll be fine. You guys will be fine. Just listen to me out there. Just be fine. No worries. And I remember uh, Kafu, the Brazilian beast, coming back there going, I need a stick. Give me a stick. We need to make a splint. We got to straighten it. We got to put his finger in place and get a stick. And I'm like, okay, you got it. I'm on it. So I'm running around, running around. And I get this twig that's kind of curved. And I go, here you go. Here, we can use this. And he pulls it up. And it's like this curved, like, penis-like shape. Like, and it's, like, just <laughs> curved, like, almost like a question mark. And he looks at it. And then he looks at me. He looks at it again. He's got this expression on his face like, what the fuck? He's like, no, I need a string. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, got it, got it. And yeah, and I don't know what happened afterwards of that. But that was funny because the way he looked at me like I was fucking insane was fantastic. Was it, well, now, what match was this? Was this, your fir- was this leading up to your first singles match? This was my with- very first match. With? Larry Blackwell. So this was my very, very, no battle royals, no just getting beat up. This is it. This is debut time. So that happened. Then I went out to do my amateur match. I cut that promo. Gotcha. Out come four and a pound Larry Blackwell. The mountain from Stone Mountain. Fuck yeah. I love that. I love that he was built that. And so, um, yeah. And it was a, it was a, it was a, what, a five minute squash match. And he was doing the King Kong Bundy five count. So it was just me getting beat up by Larry Blackwell for my first match. And it was fantastic. I couldn't have asked for a better first match. And um, I personally believe all wrestlers' first matches should be that way. Not because APW drilled it in my head. It really does like build you as a wrestler. You should, you should debut like that. I Just agree. get squashed. I and agree. that's how you go out. You make him look good. You put him over. And that's how you get your start. So yep. I loved it. And I was thankful that someone like Larry Blackwell can go out there and have, give me my first match. You got to learn how to get beat up before you can beat other people up. You know, that's how I feel. But so, Larry Blackwell was a trainer at APW. Was he one of your trainers, or was he more of somebody that was just maybe on the show, maybe trained occasionally? What was your relationship with Larry going into that match? He, uh, he, was, a, he was a senior. He was a veteran. You do what he says. That's it. So, he was, um, he was not training at the time, because I understand he did become a trainer well after the fact, past, well past my my training there so um at the time he was not one of my trainers um yeah but james watkins was like more picking up so leading up to my debut i was working more with james watkins i mentioned earlier i had three trainers and each one had a different aspect of my training that made me the wrestler that i am so american dragon was uh daniel bryan he was the um psychology guy he was the this has to make sense. He's going to show me how to do the moves, and he's going to have you put together a match and have it all make sense. Robert Thompson was the technical move guy. Here's how your feet go when you do this. Here's how you do that. So my moves I learned mostly from Robert Thompson and Daniel Bryan. But to really fine-tune the psychology 
character promos and all that, that was James Watkins. And that was at the tail end of my semi-pro training, leading into my debut. And even after my debut, I was still in the camp. I still went to school. I still went to training. Absolutely. I still did all of that. And Robert Thompson and James Watkins were instrumental at that point because Daniel Bryan had moved on. And so he was out of the picture now. And so it was just those two. And that's why they're instrumental into my becoming the wrestler who... I became, and James Watkins. I can't. I can't talk enough good things about him. You know, same thing with the Brown Bomber, Robert Thompson. You know, my first match, I got squashed by Larry. Guess who I got squashed by? In my second match, Brown Bomber, Robert Thompson. The very next week, Robert Thompson. Um, he squashed me. But funny little thing that I remember from that match is that <laughs> one of the things, like one, and during the promo, I think one of the things was like. The angle we were going with my Venice the Menace character was that I wasn't going to class. I wasn't doing this. I wasn't doing that. I was big time. I was thinking, well, now I'm wrestling. So that was the gimmick. What were you wearing? What was your gear? It was a generic singlet. My first outfit was a generic blue singlet that I bought at some sports store. No sunglasses or hats or any gimmicks? Just plain singlet. Venice the Menace. Yes. I, I I was the kind of wrestler that needed to be covered up. I couldn't go out there in my Speedos and that's it, you know, and I didn't have the body for that anyway. So I was comfortable in a singlet in high school. So I'm like, that's why a singlet has always been my go-to wrestling outfit. Me too. I've done the three-piece gimmick. So again, I'm even more covered because I got trunks tight singlet. So I'm covered up. I just needed to be. I just can't be out there naked. That's all. Now... Going back to that first match with Larry, your first, because you were doing the amateur stuff as we've discussed, but then this is your first professional wrestling match, singles match. You did the Battle Royals, but your first singles match with Larry Blackwell in front of a live crowd. It's just you and Larry and the ref and the audience. Can you, how did, like, how was that, bro? What, what do you remember, like, from the crowd reaction, how big the crowd was, how loud the crowd was, how it felt to live your dream? You're in here one on one with a professional wrestler. It was great. I remember cutting that promo, and I remember saying, I am going to be a menace to all pro wrestling. So from now on, you can call me back. And when I'm saying this, they're, they're already clapping and cheering. Like, they're cheering and clapping, and I can't even get this point out because everyone's loud. So I'm, like, saying, I will be, from now on, you can call me Venice the Menace. They popped. They were cheering and clapping and all that. Where was this? This was in the garage. This yeah. was at Hayward. Yeah. This was at the famous APW garage, you know, where I did most of my wrestling in those early days. And so I remember feeling good. I was like, yeah, that was awesome. People were cheering. This is great. And then Larry came out and whooped my ass. And I remember afterwards going like, that was fantastic. That was awesome. There were no flubs. It was all fantastic. Now, match number two, all I thought about coming out of that was something quite different. Now you had music. So, yes. And my first song was Danger Zone. So every time I hear Danger Zone, so I'm at the Mad Clouds of Ape now, right? And every time I'm at the shop and I listen to old school music and Danger Zone comes on, I just flash back to my wrestling days and it brings a smile to my face and I love it. You know, so Danger Zone was Venice the Menace's first uh, opening music. I'm not familiar with that song. Can you, like, maybe sing a little part of that or something? I'm not. Yeah, it went like, you know, Highway to the Danger Zone. Okay, now I remember it. Yeah. (laughs) Top Gun. Come on. Okay, yeah, I totally remember. (laughs) I just had to hear you sing it. Uh, (laughs) So your second match is with Brown Bomber Robert Thompson. So in that match... Uh, he goes to whip me to the ropes, right? And here's uh, match number two. This is where I had my first fuck up. <laughs> yeah. So, was the first of many, by the way. 
so he whips me to the ropes. I drop too low, go into the ropes, and I did the thing where like my my back slides underneath the top rope, and I kind of go in between the middle and top rope kind of thing, and I remember freaking out and just falling to the side. So I like do this goofy like whip rope thing. I didn't come bouncing back to Bomber because he's getting ready to clothesline the shit out of me. I just bump right there at the ropes. <laughs> and Bomber comes down. He goes, "You all right, man?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm good." And he goes, and he gets up, and he starts berating me in the ring. You see, that's why you need to come to class. You do shit like this, you need to get your ass to class. You suck. <laughs> so that was funny. So after the match, I had a whole different, I was just like, fuck. I so adds to your gimmick, though, in this live impromptu in front of a crowd. Yeah. It's probably what makes Robert so great is he literally reacts probably the way he would react. But there's a crowd there, and it adds to your gimmick. It adds to the match. And maybe taught you a little lesson. Absolutely. And I loved it. I thought it was great. It was great improv on Bomber's part because he's the consummate professional. He's the fucking pro and he's the man. You know, he's an APW legend. You want to talk about, I'm not no APW legend. That fucking guy, all those early guys are the APW legends. You want to talk APW legends, Robert Thompson, Tony Jones, Michael Modest, Donovan Morgan, fucking Crash Holly. I mean, come on, Vic Grimes, these, Vinny Massaro, these are the APW legends. These guys were there first. Steve Rosano, my man Steve Rosano, these guys were there in the beginning, and they were first. Those are the true APW legends, right there. Love it, man. And we're getting close here on time. I got one more question for you, and then we're going to talk about your vape shop and get out of here, plug your social media and stuff. Who helped you with promos? So we had a whole promo class for that. So as part of the semi-pro training, um, we did promo class. So they would say like, okay, every Thursday night, all we're doing is promos. So we come in and like, this is how you do promos, kiddies. And uh, it was Bomber. It was Bomber and James Watkins at first. And then Gabe became a part of it. Gabe and Jason were the head honchos. Gabe Ramirez. Yeah, I don't want to say last names because I don't know who wants to be known as what. So it was Gabe and uh, Jason were the head honchos with Roland behind the scenes at APW. So Gabe became a part of promo class eventually too. And he gave his input and all that. And it was really good. So I remember remember, like really taking to promos like out the gate. Like it was great because what they do is in the the early days when you start, they'd say, we're going to just pick a topic and you got to cut a promo on it. So I remember then my very first time up there, I remember Bomber going, all right, Venice, uh, glass of water. You got to do a promo on a glass of water. 60 seconds? Yeah. Go. And I'm going, shit. And there's no time to think or anything. He's like, go. The mic's on. Camera's rolling. You got to go. And I'm like, you know, I just get so thirsty when I'm (laughs) wrestling out here. It's tiring being so good and so awesome in the ring. And I just need a glass of water. I'm just dying of thirst. I'm sweating profusely. It's hard being me. And I see this glass of water. But it's behind this glass case. And I'm not not having it. I'm going, oh no. I need this glass of water. So you know what I did? I took my fist and I shattered that glass. And I grabbed that glass of water and I drank it. And it was so refreshing. And man, did I need that glass of water. And that was pretty much it. And I remember Bomber going, he's doing this. So he's shaking his head slowly. He's nodding up and down slowly. And he's going, okay, okay, that wasn't bad. 
Good job, Dennis. That wasn't bad. Okay. <laughs> and um, yeah, moved on to the next person. And so we had promo class and we did that on a regular basis. And that's all part of the training because, again, APW didn't want you to go out there and look like a scrub with your promos and not look like what you know what you're doing. So that's how promos and promo class started and all that stuff. So you're just naturally good at promos, naturally a great guy, naturally a great guest on Mitch Please, and I can't wait to have you back for part two and probably part three and maybe part four. <laughs> uh, Venice, go ahead, man. Uh, a couple minutes here left. Uh, go ahead and uh, plug your social media, uh, Mad Cloud Vape. Where can people find more out about Dennis DeMarco and what he's doing these days. You got it. So these days, um, I co-run and co-own a vape store in Redding, California called Mad Clouds Vape. Clouds with a Z on the end, boys and girls. Mad Clouds Vape. So we're a year strong now, and it's going great. You know, uh, There's a whole story behind that, too, but we can get that for uh, next time. But yeah, our website is uh, madcloudsvape.com with a Z. You can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Google, Mad Clouds Vape. Just look us up there, and uh, you can subscribe to our pages and all that fun stuff. So um, we, uh, my girlfriend and I wanted to get out of the Bay Area. We were done with the rat race and just sick and tired of the Bay Area, so we decided to move. So um, we decided to look at all these other places, and my best friend in the whole world lives in Reading. He's lived there since 1990. I've been visiting him since then, so I'm familiar with the area. So I'm like, why don't we make the move to Reading? So we did, and we uh, lived together, and we moved up here, and I was looking for jobs. Wrestling is all done for me. I'm, not, I'm no longer wrestling and all that stuff. I'm out of the game. So, um, yeah, we really got to wrap this up. <laughs> so uh, uh, looking for work was challenging, so uh, Tessa said, like, why don't we open up a business? And I said, sure, let's do a comic store. She goes, um, no, let's do something else. So I'm like, okay, well, what, I, what can I get excited for? What can I get excited for? And she's actually the vapor. She's been vaping our whole relationship. It'll be, I believe, seven years this year, this September. My woman's a vapor as well, by the way. A vapist. Not a vapist. So um, she said, why don't we open up a vape store? And I said, I can get excited about that. Let's do it. So we opened up Mad Clouds Vape in Redding, California. Come check us out. Thank you, Venice DeMarco, very much, brother. Hey, love you. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for having me, Mitch. Come back. There's going to be a whole lot more. Hey, much love to VD, Venice DeMarco. Man, I cannot wait to have that guy back on the show to continue his story. And I am just so excited in general, for life, because God is good. And that's just all I'm going to say about that. In fact, I'm going to say it again. God is good. And then you know what I'm going to say? All the time. Because that's just how it is here on Mitch Please. I'm Mitch Valentine. I don't have very much time left here. I want to go ahead and show love to Noni. All right? Noni is a person that has been making these graphics lately for the show i want to make sure to shout her out thank you noni hit her up on my facebook if you guys need some graphic work done all right speaking of hitting me up got mitch marketing hit me up team valentine hit me up pro championship entertainment all of these things are on Facebook. All these pages. You just got to type them in. Then you just got to hit like. Then you got to invite your friends. And then you got to share the page. I mean, you don't have to. But damn, I would sure appreciate it. And of course, this show is Facebook.com slash Mitch Please Podcast. You know what to do. 
Okay? YouTube.com slash The Mitch Valentine. Subscribe. Every episode of Mitch Please. Wrestling matches. Promos. And so much more. I'm at HeartbreakerMV on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. Follow me. Let's make my let's make Mitch Valentine the biggest celebrity in the world, can we? Well, I don't want that, but I definitely would appreciate any love that you're able to show. The sharing, like I said, it, it's huge. And I'm not talking about Sharon Stone, and I'm not talking about Sharon Osborne. I'm talking about sharing this show, guys. It's the only way it's going to grow. And this show is also available on CastBox. It's an app for you to listen to all your favorite podcasts. And if you have another app or another way that you listen to podcasts and you want this show on that app or on that platform, all you got to do is message me and tell me what you want and I'll get it done. Okay? I won't even charge you because it's Mitch Please. It's my podcast and it means a lot to me. And there's somebody else that means a lot to me. And that is a man named Dave. And he is pretty much my dad. I've known him since I was two years old. He's the greatest man I know. And last week, he had triple bypass open heart surgery. And he's recovering. And he's 70. And I just love him so much. And there's no way I was going to end this show without showing some love to Dave and prayers are appreciated i know he's going to recover and he's going to be better than ever and i just want to say for the record here on mitch please episode 35 i love dave and that is my dad and that's the way it is guys and until next time thank you again for listening of course i have all the events that I listed at the start of the show. I'm not going to list all my events again, but there's lots of ways to support local entertainment. There's lots of ways to make dreams happen. So don't wait around. Don't make excuses. Just get out there and do what you love. Because here at Mitch Please, it's all love. <laughs>